Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. And my first story is food news. This is from CNN. Someone ate a $120,000 banana that an artist had taped to a wall. Did you see this? <laughs> yeah, I did. I know it's been going around. <laughs> I did see it. I found this story like a few days ago, so I, I know it's been making the rounds. But uh, yeah, this just... Please tell we'll get me into again it. about it. We'll get it. into it. Um, so when an artist duct taped a banana to a wall and priced it at $120,000 this week, we should probably have known where the story was heading. <laughs> Thank you, CNN, <laughs> for that fun <laughs> observation. Um, the work by Maurizio Catalan was unceremoniously taken off the wall at the Art Basel Miami Beach on uh, Saturday and eaten by a performance artist <laughs> amid a crowd of stunned onlookers, some of whom posted videos of the incident. It's like an artist eating another artist's art. Yeah. It's too much art. Mm, I don't know what it is. The banana piece was entitled Comedian. Uh, the artwork what? comprised a banana bought at a Miami grocery store and a single piece of duct tape. That was like the name of the piece was just Comedian. <laughs> um, <laughs> the gallery behind the sale, Gallery Perotine, said there were three editions of this work of art, that is three bananas total, and that two had already sold for around $120,000. So, <gasps> these, yeah. These had sold, yeah. Can I, could I have done that? Could I have just come up with that? Oh, my God. Could I have taped a banana to a wall, sold one of them, and paid off my house? <laughs> <sighs> what? Yeah. What? This is, it, it gets I worse. Am if, you believe, if you can believe. Yeah, you I'm, should be. I'm angry right now. <laughs> Organizers had previously confirmed to CNN that the banana can be replaced if needed, as the artist's instructions for the work are, quote, intentionally imprecise. So it doesn't even matter if it's the original banana, apparently. It's more the idea that the banana is there and duct taped to the wall. Um, in a statement on Sunday, the gallery announced that the installation had been removed altogether amid public safety concerns. I don't what? know. I guess somebody, I don't know if somebody eats a bad banana. I don't know. <laughs> okay, that's just another level of ridiculousness just added on to this, but okay. Here they are trying to explain why this is art. Uh, the gallery says bananas are a symbol of global trade, a double entendre, as well as a classic device for humor. Adding that the artist turns mundane objects into, quote, vehicles of both delight and critique. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making very weird yeah. facial expressions yeah. right now. Weird, but completely appropriate to this story and how ridiculous it is. Uh, the artist did not provide potential buyers with instructions on what to do when the artwork starts to decompose, <laughs> which it can because it's a banana. According to a press statement from the gallery, the artist first came up with the idea a year ago. Apparently, it took him a year to execute on this. Back then. What? He, uh, just wait. Back then, Catalan was thinking of a sculpture that was shaped like a banana, according to the gallery. Every time he traveled, he brought a banana with him and hung it in his hotel room to find inspiration. He made several models, first in resin, then in bronze, and in painted bronze, before finally coming back to the initial idea of a real banana. What? 
He spent a year he spent a going year. around with a real Hold banana on. going, I'm going to make art that looks like a banana, and then decided, you know what, I'm just going to do a banana. Yeah. <laughs> he spent a year, this is what happened, he spent a year being like, oh, I'm going to do art that looks like a banana, and he failed, <laughs> and then was like, oh, I'll just tape just a banana to a wall. Why yeah, that's not? the key detail that the uh, gallery left out, that he did not succeed in yeah. coming up with a good piece <laughs> of art that was a banana. Uh, and then they said at the end here, and this actually kind of harkens back to something we've talked about before on the on the podcast. Uh, Catalan is known for sculptures that challenge popular culture. I hate, I hate that. <laughs> That's the perfect reaction. Yeah. One of his artworks, an 18-carat gold toilet valued at $6 oh. million. Not the same toilet. I looked it up. One? Different toilet. Um, made headlines in September. Surprising we didn't run into oh. that, actually. Uh, when it was ripped out of a wall and stolen from Blindheim Palace in England. Somebody stole a gold toilet. Okay, because that's actually worth something. Right. It's gold, not a banana duct tape to a wall, which apparently can sell for Two 120 separate grand. People yeah. paid uh-huh. $120,000 yeah. for a banana and a piece of duct tape. Like, literally, what is stopping me from going to the store, buying a banana, some duct tape? taping it to something and then saying, oh, it's a, it's a Maurizio Catalan. Like, how would anyone know? They, they wouldn't. Because it's nothing. <laughs> because it's not art. Okay. <laughs> how about this? How about you and I become, air quotes, contemporary artists, <laughs> but the whole time it's actually a joke. Like, the entire time we're uh-huh. just like I'm not convinced that this isn't a joke, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it, maybe it is. Maybe it is. The whole time it would actually be a joke, but we would do ridiculous things and see how far we could get with mm-hmm. like fame and like money and stuff. Just like making stuff up about the meaning of everyday objects. I don't know. I'd be. I think I'd be too mad at myself if I partook in this this subculture. <laughs> yeah, I, I, hate I don't this think so I would. Much. <laughs> like, this kind of stuff just makes me so mad. It makes me mad too. Like, what? Why have I learned real? World? Why have I learned real skills? <laughs> like, <laughs> why? Why have I learned? Why have I put in the effort to learn how to do actual things? If this is enough to make this guy made two hundred forty grand, that's like several years taping of a salary. two bananas to wall. Like, yeah. And you know what? The other thing that upsets me too. Uh-huh. Do you know how many artists are out there that are actually like super talented, creating cool creating works of art that cool, like, are actually awesome, should unique, be worth money, awesome things that can't make any money? Yeah. And then there's people like this. Yeah. Like, I'm imagine. Not, I'm not anti-art. <laughs> oh, I'm not either. I'm anti, of course. I'm anti things that are pretending to be art. I guess. Like. Yeah. Like I think that actually the root of my upsetness. Yeah. Is. Not it's not only that this is ridiculous, it's that there's like real awesome art out there that like mm. doesn't get the value that it deserves. Yeah. And On we're top just, of this. And we're just perpetuating the problem because we're talking about yeah. this art instead of real <laughs> yeah, art. Me- <laughs> Granted, a podcast well, isn't a great okay. place for visual art. Right. But but I guess if there was some way that we could support real art, I would do it. Yeah. Let's think about that. I yeah, this is upsetting. <laughs> This just makes me really mad. This I just want to go mad. like punch a banana. <laughs> just, this just I didn't sell it. See if I can sell a rotten banana. I'll call it anger. There you go. And I'll throw a roll of duct tape at it. Why not? Okay. Vi- take a video of that and uh, that's your art. Yeah. It's performance It's called art anger. Yeah. yeah, it's performance art. Yeah. yeah. All right. My first story is health news. 
and we're going to need this after the last story. <laughs> that, uh, this is from healthimaging.com, and the headline is, Meditation Increases Blood Flow to the Heart, PET Scans Show. And it, it, it reduces stress, basically, but I'll okay. go into that. Yeah, sounds like we could use that. <laughs> <laughs> Research recently published in the Journal of Nuclear Cardiology found that patients with coronary heart disease who incorporated meditation into their heart rehab regimen increased their cardiac blood flow by more than 20%. Whoa. Yeah. Wow, that's significant. Yes. Um, apparently, this was the first study to show that the cardiovascular benefits of lifestyle modification, such as structured exercise and dietary counseling, may be enhanced by adding transcendental meditation, like specifically that type of meditation, which I looked up, and I guess it's just like you repeat, it's meditation where you're like repeating a mantra or something, there's like a certain format to it. Oh, you actually say something, it. not just like sitting there in silence? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. Huh. Um, so, and they also found that, that me- the meditation was helpful even on its own. So it's helpful on its own. And also if you do it with the other techniques of like cardiac rehab that people are usually like prescribed. Um, it's so, helpful on its own. Hey. hey. Oh. So one of the authors noted that prior research has established psychosocial stress as a risk factor for coronary heart disease. However, stress reduction techniques aren't typically included in cardiac rehabilitation. Like it's usually those other things I mentioned, like diet and like certain types of diet and exercise is what people are told to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this study, um, 37 patients completed the whole study and those who practice the transcendental meditation and the cardiac rehabilitation stuff increased their myocardial blood flow by 20.7%. So that was like the highest success group. And then, um, the next one was uh, people that only did the meditation, their blood flow increased by 12.8%. Still something. And then um, if you only did the other like cardiac rehab stuff by itself, they found that that only increased it 5.8%. So basically the cardiac rehab stuff helps and also meditation helps. And if you do all of it, it's it like the best. It's, there's like an added, there's an addition. Combo benefit. multiplier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, and that they said that the direct cause of the increases are unknown, but basically the research team hypothesized that it's probably from uh, reduced stress hormone levels and inflammation, which can, like if you reduce those things, the cell function in your coronary, coronary arteries can be improved. Hmm. Um, because when you're really high stress, the like physical um, symptom that caused by that is you can have inflammation in different parts of your body. And so their hypothesis, the, they have hypothesized that meditation actually does work for stress relief, which in turn has physical benefits. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm so, surprised we don't have more research on this kind of thing. Yeah, right? you would think that. At this point. But, like, it's not like meditation's new by any stretch of the imagination. Like, no, but maybe they've never like looked at this specific like quantitative measure yeah. of cardiac blood flow. Because in this study, mm. they were looking at like cardiac PET imaging and yeah. like actually quantitatively measuring the flow values, That's I think. That's true. Yeah, I guess a lot so, of the like perceived benefits of meditation aren't something you can like strictly quantify like you can yeah. with with this measurement. Um I haven't looked, but I'm I would think that probably a lot of studies that have been done on that are just look like they probably just ask the participants like how, how do you, do you feel? feel? <laughs> <laughs> like how just how dismissive we are of how people feel. Oh, which, which how do you though, Oh, That's you feel good? good. Fine, whatever. I guess. <laughs> this was like a quantitative measure, yeah. which That's was super cool. 
Have you ever tried meditation? So, not really. Yeah. No. Have you? No, I tried doing, um, what is it, like Headspace or something? It's one of the apps. I've seen that before, or I've seen it advertised. Where you do like 10 minutes of like a meditation exercise before like going to sleep. Mm-hmm. I tried that for like a week. I didn't really stick with it. Mm. Um, I didn't really notice that I was able to fall asleep easier or anything. Oh, okay. So. I don't know, but maybe I'm doing meditation wrong. I don't know. I have a, the, the, um, repeating a mantra thing is interesting because I usually find if I do try to just sit there and not think of anything, I have a really hard time just like, yeah, you're supposed to, you're not supposed to like try not to think of anything, but you're like, if something comes into your head, you're supposed to kind of just like let it go and not like dwell on it. And uh, I'm really bad at that. I think I'm also bad at that. So maybe a mantra helps like focus you on something. That's a really interesting. I've never because I've never tried doing something where I'm like chanting. Neither have I, but so that's I, kind of what they're saying. I think it just it actually helps it be more effective if you do that. That's Probably for that reason, because otherwise, it, if you're just trying to like okay, clear your mind, it's like uh no, no. There's, oh, there's a million things. <laughs> there's going a million on. things I should be doing right now. <laughs> right, 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 right. So if you're if you are focused on something specific, it can probably help that process. Hmm. Maybe I need to give it another try. Maybe I will too. Um, no, we all have to. <laughs> we'll just like both take turns doing that, like while the other person's talking, and just be really. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get in our meditation <laughs> while we're recording. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't have time any other time. Of- <laughs> I don't have time any other time of the day. I'm too busy. I'm too stressed. I need to do it now. <laughs> yeah. So, in conclusion. This study seems to show that that type of meditation is healthy and good for you, even Yay. if you're not on some type of like cardiac rehab plan. <laughs> so, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, and anyone can do it. It's easy. Health. <laughs> <laughs> My next story is world news. This is from Ars Technica. Aerial radar turns up a Viking ship in a farmer's field. How did a ship get into a farmer's field? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> that's, I guess <laughs> yes, that's I why would. you're asking. Um, so, ground-penetrating radar recently revealed a Viking Age ship hidden beneath the topsoil of a farm near the former town of... Um, okay, so... <laughs> I looked this up before okay. we came here because I wanted to pronounce it correctly. I still don't know how. It's spelled E-D-O with a slash through it, Y. It's like that O that looks like the no symbol. Oh, yeah. It's, I think I don't know if it's only in Norwegian or if it's in more Scandinavian languages yeah. than that. But the tutorial I saw, <laughs> the tutorial I watched said that the, the O thing is pronounced uh. Sort of like the French, like, eh, okay. like that kind of thing. But I don't know how that sound fits into this word. Because the first time I tried to pronounce it like that, I was just like, Maybe it's like the e more like drawn out a little bit. I don't like know what the Y does there. Oh, okay. That's where I'm confused. I am no help here. Anyway. We could just make up, we could just call it Edoi. I mean, Edoi in Western Norway, if you have managed to remember the first part of that sentence. <laughs> uh, the, the ship would have held the body of an ancient Norse leader along with weapons, loot, and other items. 
Uh, nearby, the remains of post holes marked the ghostly outlines of two longhouses. Uh, the find could offer a wealth of information about ancient shipbuilding and Norse burial rituals. Um, because this was a ship like used in a Viking funeral, is what they oh, speculate. Because it's got okay. an actual like burial mound around it. I see. Um, so it sounds a Viking funeral wasn't actually like setting them out to sea and then lighting an arrow and burning. Yeah, I but thought that it was, but they would be buried in a boat in like a burial mound. That would be okay. Okay. So that's what this was. And that's how okay. they know it was like a grave because they mm-hmm. found uh, the remnants of the mound around it as well. Okay. Um, so the radar images were detailed enough for archaeologists to recognize the keel of the ship, the keel, which is a long piece of wood that forms the ship's backbone, and the first two planks on either side of it. Um, based on the length of the keel, the ship was probably between 52 and 55 feet long. So it's a pretty long ship, yeah. especially to bury one person. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the find was actually a stroke of luck since the site wasn't even in the team's original survey area. Uh, they, uh, archaeologist Manuel Gabler said, we had actually finished the agreed upon area, but we had time to spare and decided to do a quick survey over another field. <laughs> it turned out it was a very good decision. So, All right. That's the uh, that's motivation. Put in a little extra work and uh, you might find a dead Viking. Uh, <laughs> Another archaeologist on the project said, the burial is indeed located on a working farm, but we couldn't have wished for a more agreeable landowner. He is very interested in history, especially local history, and is very enthusiastic about the project. Oh, great. So the person where they found it on this, like, all gung-ho about, like, yeah. Let's dig Ar- it up. And archaeologize. Let's dig, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, currently, they don't know whose grave it is, how many skeletons it contains, Um they mentioned how many because it's like usually the leader, but also sometimes they would bring like a spouse or a slave mm-hmm. or something yeah. or some other person with them. Um, or whether it contains any weapons, jewelry, or other items because, again, they just found it aerially and they have to investigate it more. Okay. Uh, the ship must be at least a thousand years old, though, dating either to the Viking Age or the even older Merovingian period, which preceded it, which I've never even heard of. Hmm. But yeah, apparently I had, they had similar rituals, so... Interesting. Yeah. A little bit of Norse history for us today. I don't know. Yeah. I, I have no sorry, idea. Sorry if we have any Norwegian listeners. I know I just horribly butchered that town name, but... Well, I, did, well, I did try. Yeah. <laughs> I did try to yeah, learn. Yeah, you, you, you tried. You tried. It's a thought that counts. Okay, my next story is science news. This is from AFP.com, and the headline is, Scientists to Harness the Sun to Break Down Plastic. That sounds good. Yeah. And like, okay, so I was reading this, and for some reason I thought that we had found a story like this before, but then I, I, don't, I couldn't remember. We've um, talked about plastic-eating bacteria before. okay. I maybe don't know that's if, what I'm thinking of. Maybe that's what you're thinking of. I don't know. So some scientists said this week that they have come up with an environmentally friendly method that uses artificial sunlight to transform plastic into power generating chemicals. Oh, that sounds even better. Yeah. Um, so this is researchers in Singapore, and they say that they have converted plastic into formic acid, which supposedly can be used in power plants to generate electricity and in like other applications i tried looking this up and i was a little bit like i i don't know okay apparently it's it can generate energy um (laughs) great 
And they did this by using some type of catalyst, which was not specified, which neither damages the environment nor costs a lot of money. So in only awesome. Yeah. All good. Right. So (laughs) all good so far (laughs) in lab experiments, the researchers mixed plastic with certain chemicals or whatever this like catalyst is. And it caused it to form a solution, which then like when exposed to sunlight, the plastic was broken down. Okay. Um, and it took in their tests, it took six days for the whole like reaction to happen for it to be broken down. And, uh, apparently it produced this formic acid too, as part of the like chemical reaction that happened. Um, so now they're hoping that they can like scale this somehow and make it work under real sunlight and Mm -hmm. turn this into like a fully, I don't know, like green process of like recycling plastic that's carbon neutral and stuff. And all you have to do is just like basically mix the plastic with whatever the solution is that they came up with and sunlight will just break it down. That sounds pretty great. I know. It kind of sounds too good to be true. Right. Yeah. It sounds like you just set up a giant pool of this stuff and I don't know, like, Nebraska or something where we've got space. Ne- <laughs> I don't know. In Nebraska. <laughs> no offense we to Nebraska. It's just the first place that came to mind. I know it yeah, has a lot of open just area. Just somewhere on the plains. Where there's like where we got where you got room and there's lots of sun and you just make a big pool of this stuff and then just yeah. dump all the plastic there. Right. I could imagine it being like a, making like processing plants for it or something. Yeah. Like basically like that. Like where you I wonder it's if like it a would... recycling plant or something, but the input is plastic and the output is like the whatever chemicals. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wonder if it would break down things that like you can't traditionally recycle either, like, uh, like food containers and, uh, like film, like plastic um, film and that kind that of stuff. That is a really good question. They did not specify in here if there's a certain type of plastic that they tested it on. I'm assuming that they only tested it on a type of plastic, but they didn't right. say which. Yeah, it'd be interesting if they could scale that up because like there's some plastic that you can't really recycle. Yeah, and this would it, be like a really good use for that because it's um I'm for, I forget the scientific word the, <laughs> the the type that like you can't once it's formed you can't like remelt it down mm-hmm. into like its state has permanently changed after its formation so that's yeah. why you can't recycle it now but yeah maybe this can apply to those I don't know they they did not have a lot of like details of the actual like chemicals being used or the actual process or anything so yeah i'm not a plastic scientist neither am i so but yeah in theory this sounds really ideal yeah cuz just using the sun we got lots of that yeah we got plenty of that yeah so one thing we'll we have, have too much of that eventually yeah we'll eventually have <laughs> too much of <laughs> right <laughs> my next story is animal news <laughs> This is from BuzzFeed News. And I should warn you, this is going to sound like a cute story, and then you're going to realize it's not that cute. You'll see what I mean. Okay. Um, People keep spotting pigeons wearing tiny cowboy hats in Las Vegas. (laughs) Where, what, where are they coming from? That's the the great mystery. So, actually, the article starts off, for reasons yet to be understood, someone in Las Vegas has secured tiny cowboy hats to the heads of at least two pigeons. 
Oh, just two? Okay. Just two so, two so far that we know of. Okay. Um, this all came to light several days ago after a local man named Bobby Lee posted a video of the pigeons to Facebook. In the video, you can clearly see two pigeons wearing the hats, each of which are a different color and the perfect size for a pigeon, <laughs> which having seen the video, I would agree with. Uh, <laughs> the hats don't seem to move at all as the pigeons peck at the ground, though, suggesting they were glued or otherwise attached oh. somehow not simply placed on the bird's heads, which would, of no. course, be adorable if that was all that had happened. Um, from the dates of the videos that have come out since, the hats have been on the pigeons for at least four days, um, and one local animal rescue group is very concerned. Uh, Mariah Hillman is the co-founder of the group Lofty Hopes, which started as a Las Vegas area pigeon rescue group last year, which is a very specific thing hmm. to be. Yeah. Um, but now they also handle other small animals. Um, she's concerned that the hats could be impeding the bird's flight and vision. And she said pigeons have also shown a habit of ostracizing any flock members that could draw attention from predators, uh, sometimes resorting to violence. So this could be really bad if other pigeons perceive the hats as attention drawing, which obviously they are because they're adorable. Um, the goal now is to find and catch the birds so the hats can be gently removed. Worst case, if they can't be budged, um, they'll have to keep the birds until they molt in the spring. But they still haven't tracked down the birds or figured out why or how somebody has attached hats to them. How how do we know that these birds have hats? Like someone posted something on they social got like, media? Yeah, they have or? like a video of... There's been multiple videos posted on social media of these Like sightings of them or something? Yeah. Okay. So, huh? Well, it's a shame too because they're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's too bad because, like, are you going to show me a photo? Yeah. Okay. Like, <laughs> and I'm yeah, laughing because they're so like, cute. And people I, I have just... to realize sometimes that, like, just because you can do something doesn't always mean you should. I think, but I would still like to see the picture. Oh my gosh, it looks like it's from like a cartoon or something. It's They're the perfect cute. They're size. They're the perfect size. But wow. Don't put hats on animals against their will. Unless they have a way to get them off. Yeah. Even then my cat really doesn't like when I put the unicorn horn on him. <laughs> Does that like strap on or something? It does like strap it fixed- on. He is able to get it off though. Oh, okay. But he really doesn't <laughs> like it. <laughs> okay, my next story is random local news. And this one's also kind of a little bit of a, a mystery. Ooh. This is from the Vizalia Times Delta.com, which is a local news site in California. A balloon from a special event migrated from central California to western Kentucky. Seemingly overnight, and no one is sure how it got there. Whoa. Yeah. So once a year, (laughs) uh, Kiwanis members from Visalia, California, blow up about 2,000 helium balloons for their candy cane lane parade, and they hand them out for free to children along the parade route. So it's like a yearly event that they have. So they had the event recently, and they don't give away these balloons at any other events, but they're just colored balloons that say... Um, West Vizalia Kiwanis on them, I believe. Um, so this year the parade happened on 
December 2nd. And then on December 3rd, they got, like, the group got a Facebook message from someone in Kentucky with, like, a picture of one of their balloons and was like, hey, I found this balloon um, in, like, a pasture on our land. And, like... (laughs) And it was one of the balloons, and no one knows how how it got all the way over there. And it can't be like from last year because it had helium in it still, so that wouldn't last a whole year, right? And they don't know, like they, it's like a like they don't know how it got there. They don't know. I mean, like unless someone like flew to Kentucky with the balloon and like set it free outside, like they don't know. So they actually, the people that wrote this article actually like consulted some meteorologists, and um. According to at least one person, there's no way it could have floated there on its own because commercially available balloons like that, um, they burst between 5,000 and 10,000 feet elevation. And in order to have gone that direction east, they it would have had to go over mountainous areas that are over that limit. Oh. So. Huh. So it didn't, it didn't blow over there, which that's not surprising to me. That I can't imagine that would be the explanation. And. They also said that even if like somehow it did bypass that and it was like on a somehow caught like a jet stream and went all the way over there, it still would have taken longer to get to do that distance because that was it. It was about two thousand miles yeah. in eighteen hours. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that would be a very fast balloon. Um, yeah. So no one knows how it got there. <laughs> but probably someone just had it on a plane. Someone had to have like, brought it with them. That's the only. It's the only possible. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of funny though to just imagine like maybe this balloon is just like unique and it like went up really high and like didn't pop and then like went all the way to Kentucky from California. Just some really, what if it like went up way high in the air and then got caught on the wing of a plane and then got and like fell off the wing of the plane and then somehow descended down to Kentucky. Yeah, yeah maybe it did and defied physics by not popping at that height. I, I, don't, know. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> no one else. <laughs> and uh, this is now, people are, it's just on, it's on social media and stuff. It's like, this balloon, What? how did this happen? World's great unsolved mysteries. <laughs> All right, it's time for breaking oh. news. <laughs> the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today and we read them to you on the fly. Ready, set, go! Go! Okay, I found this on Fox News. Keanu Reeves' John Wick 4 and Matrix 4 to be released same day. Internet redubs it Keanu Reeves Day. (laughs) What? Wait, I didn't even know they were doing a Matrix 4. Oh, yeah. Did we talk talk about that? I think we talked about it. I forgot. Yeah. Nope, it's happening. It's happening... Well, actually, quite a while from now. But uh, So this year was a big one for Keanu Reeves, uh, and it's beginning to look like 2021 will be too. Uh, or at least one weekend will be, according <laughs> to this article. Uh, the Warner Brothers has announced that The Matrix 4, which I don't think has an actual title yet, starring him, will be released on May 21st, 2021. Okay. So still quite a ways out. Um but John Wick Chapter 4 from Lionsgate, which also stars him, will be debuting on the same exact day. <laughs> uh, the release date for John Wick Chapter 4 was announced in August, after the third chapter was able to knock Avengers Endgame out of the number one spot at the box office. Wow. Um, 
fans are already preparing for a double feature and have proposed calling May 21st, 2021 Keanu Reeves Day. <laughs> I would do that. I would watch both of those in one day. Yeah. That sounds like a great day. Yeah. Granted, I'll need to watch the other two matrices first. <laughs> I know, but I feel like I should. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, one person even proposed calling the day Keanu Reeves takes all my money at the movies day, <laughs> which is pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2019, this year, Reeves appeared in John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, which I know so we both saw. Um, Always Be My Maybe, which I think was like a I Netflix saw movie. that. Was it good? The it movie was, or? It was a movie. Yeah, it was a Netflix original movie. And overall, it was fine. I mean, it's a rom-com. Uh-huh. But Keanu Reeves' part in it is hilarious. Like, it is so <laughs> funny. Because he just plays himself, right? Yeah, he but just he also... is Keanu Reeves. Yeah, yes, he plays himself, but he also is like playing himself as like a really like douchey character <laughs> and it's just really funny i i would almost recommend just watching just that part of the movie because he's only in a short part of it like he's not oh perfect yeah i'll just watch that clip <laughs> um he also was uh, a voice in toy story 4 which i actually didn't see oh yeah i haven't seen that either but apparently he's in it and he was also in between two ferns the movie which i don't <laughs> Whatever. even know about it don't make me start talking about what is art. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I found something on foxbusiness.com. Oh, okay. And uh, this is about ice cream, which I love. I do so, love ice cream. Um, Nestle has sold all of its U.S. ice cream company ownership. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 We're out of ice cream. <laughs> we sold, sold it all. Out. They're sold out of ice cream. What are we going to do? Um, no, they, <laughs> they sold um, Haagen-Dazs, Edie's, and the Drumsticks, which was all owned by Nestle, which I, did I didn't realize that. that. Yeah, so Haagen-Dazs was owned by Nestle. Drumsticks I knew, but yeah, all three of them, it, they sold to someone that is not named in this article for $4 billion. So now someone has all of that ice cream. They own it. Uh-huh. They could just stop selling it and just eat all of it if they wanted to. Yum. $4 billion. $4 billion worth of ice cream. If you had $4 billion to just spend on whatever you wanted, would you buy? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of this article, it says that um, the average American consumes more than 23 pounds of ice cream every year. Yeah, that sounds right. And... Quote, regular ice cream complete with sugar and fat remains the most popular form of frozen desserts, generally. As opposed to what? I guess like like sugar free or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like a popsicle. Yeah. Like what else is a frozen dessert? A popsicle. Gross. (laughs) Or like maybe some like ice in a cup. (laughs) You know who eats popsicles? Children. Because they are given popsicles. Because it's like, ooh, colors, but like they don't taste great you know, compared to ice cream. Yeah. Fun. Oh, I love ice cream. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knick Knack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you like to listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash News and on Twitter at, at Knick Knack News. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.